Uh, hi everyone, so this is Mira. This is Ankit. Uh, welcome to Leaving Footprints, where we interview professionals from different fields in hopes to give our audience insights on their careers and provide them with advice on how to succeed in these different fields. Today's episode is with the amazing Sabah Kadri. Sabah has a background in computational biology and is currently the director of bioinformatics at Lurie Children's Hospital in Chicago, as well as an assistant professor of pathology at Northwestern University. She has also been keeping people active during the pandemic with her YouTube channel, which has a lot of Bollywood uh, dance-based workouts, which is actually something which I follow a lot too. So we're extremely excited to have you, Sabah. Uh, I think uh, let's get started and can you tell a little bit about yourself to our listeners? Well, first of all, uh, Meera and Ankit, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to talk to both of you and it's it's really great to be here. You already gave a great introduction <laughs> to me, Ankit, so uh, I don't want to repeat it. But basically, I'm a computational biologist by, uh, by training. That's what my PhD is in. And I work as the director of bioinformatics. Basically, what that means is that me and my team support uh, all the computational needs uh, for genetic testing at the hospital. So Lurie Children's Hospital is a pediatric hospital in Chicago where I work. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, about a year ago, almost exactly a year ago, I just on a whim posted a dance workout on my YouTube channel for fun. And it became something and it's been really fun to kind of connect with people through it, share uh, workouts and also get fit, fitter, better by myself. Uh, so it's been really fun. There's one more thing you left out, which I will tell your audience members about, which is that I also have a podcast with my friend <laughs> called uh, Computationally Yours, where uh, our, which was also basically uh, started almost exactly a year ago to make computational biology as well as advanced sciences more accessible to people. We were getting really annoyed by a lot of um, misinformation about science in media and especially social media so we thought mm -hmm. we don't know how many people will listen but for anyone who listens we want to share accurate information but in a more accessible language so yeah that's about me i think uh if you don't so i don't think you know this but like me and mira are both part of the masters in business analytics program uh here on uci so i think we're very database individuals and I actually had an episode of, and it was a lot about, I think, spreading correct information, which is, there's a lot of misinformation out there. So we'll definitely link up uh, her podcast in our description below. So definitely check that out as well. Thank yeah. you. And I was just going to say, like, definitely, especially over the past year, like with health, healthcare and understanding science and biology, there's been so much information and it's hard for people to understand if you don't have a background in that. So I think it's awesome that you provide this platform where you can go and understand in easier terms and you know you you know what you're talking about and I don't know what it means so it's really nice to have that like bridge between that so it's awesome yeah um, thanks. I started it with one of my uh my friends who I went to grad school with we we just we were talking one day mm -hmm. and we were talking about we, we talk about this on one of the episodes how we started the whole thing but the whole idea was we both shared that same passion exactly what you're talking about mm -hmm. and that really prompted us to start it in the first place as well that's awesome. And then uh, following up, I actually wanted to know what influenced you to cho choose your career path and in going into computational biology and bioinformatics and then extending that to healthcare. Uh, so I, uh, I started with a background in computer engineering and I really enjoy programming. I loved uh, 
I love the computer science aspect of it, but I was looking for what application of computer engineering would I want to have a career in. Mm-hmm. And it just so happened that during one of the, you know, texts, which was basically this uh, uh, small technical festival in our college that we had during my undergrad, where we were sharing, we were writing some kind of review papers on, on current topics across this topic of DNA computing. Um, If anyone in your audience is interested, go check out DNA computing. It's just such a fun concept. Anyway, that's not what I do right now, uh, but uh, it prompted me to look into this field of computational biology and which was basically applying the principles and methodologies and algorithms in computer science and computer engineering, but specifically in biology. That's from there I basically decided and this was like one of those really easy decisions where some, you just know what clicks for you and I was very lucky to be one of those people that I just knew that this is what I wanted to do to do I looked up programs and the US seemed to have the best programs in, in the field mm-hmm. and I came for my PhD here uh, after my PhD, you know, during my PhD, I specialized in a lot of basic sciences, uh, b- genomics specifically, which is like mm-hmm. looking at DNA, RNA, and uh, data science in that area. Mm-hmm. But uh, when uh, when I started my first job, it was kind of in the same area. But I really wanted to do something in human diseases, something that would uh, have an impact on patients and patient care in some way. That's when I found a position in Chicago at the University of Chicago, uh, at the University of Chicago, which was in this area, which is a niche area of clinical bioinformatics, which is all the things that I've been talking about, but just specifically applying it to genetic testing in cancer for adults. So uh, designing algorithms, designing computational pipelines, but for cancer in adults. So that's where this whole journey started. And that's how I ended up in health. Yeah, that's really amazing. I think uh, just even listening about data science in healthcare and in bioinformatics, like for me, that's really interesting as well, because I'm interested in going into healthcare. Um, But that's awesome. Oh, that's very cool. So do you know what aspect of healthcare you want to go into? Yeah, so currently, I'm still trying to explore what what I can do since I'm studying um, analytics. <laughs> um, but so I actually studied biotech for a little while and I thought that was interesting, but also just having the ability to make an impact in healthcare for people is what interests me the most. So I think it might be something more on the business aspect of it. Um, but actually this kind of leads me to another question that I was going to ask was kind of additionally, like, do you have advice for people who are interested in healthcare or fields such as yours, but don't necessarily have that background? That's a really great question, actually. So um, that's one of the things that is really cool about this field of computational biology, uh, you know, bioinformatics, which is what I do, which is kind of a subset of that field. Everything is interdisciplinary nowadays, you know, data, data science itself, right? Nothing is a niche anymore. Nothing is like specific to one particular field anymore. Mm -hmm. Healthcare is very interdisciplinary. Everything that we do is kind of a combination of molecular biology, um, Mm -hmm. you know, data science, analytics, uh, computer science, all of this kind of comes together. So people uh, who are currently doing bioinformatics and computational biology, uh, especially people who've been in the field for maybe five plus years didn't really start in the field 
they usually come with either a background in molecular biology, someone who comes with a background of computer science, someone who comes with the background of mathematics. Our uh, director of data science at Lurie Children's is uh, is a background in computational neuroscience. So it's really a very beautiful mishmash of different disciplines. Um, I know I digressed a little bit, but as advice for people who don't specifically have a training in computational biology or bioinformatics who want to move into the field, I think it's really important to have fundamentals, uh, good fundamental training in at least one of the two fields of molecular biology or computer science. And then definitely do some kind of course that kind of helps you bridge the gap to the other field. For example, I came up from a background of computer engineering. When I did computational biology, one of the things I did is do a lot of coursework in molecular biology and also worked in a lab hands-on pipetting, working with samples, which really makes you a stronger contender in the field, especially with how competitive things are, gives you over other people in the field as well. So try to, um, try to leverage your background, but at the same time, do train in the things that you don't know about would be my advice. Yeah, no, that's really helpful. It makes me think, you know, like if I want to go into data science in this field, definitely maybe even picking up a project that's a little more technical in healthcare or in bioinformatics would be something to consider. So thank you for that. Yeah, absolutely. I think that would be the best way to get your leg into the uh, foot in the door kind of. Yeah. And actually, so I also in my undergrad, which I just finished in last June, I actually did informatics as my uh, as a part of my two majors and everything. And oh, wow. I think exactly as per what you were saying, Informatics is a lot about software design and like actually getting what users want. And healthcare is a huge field which can use that. And that's why we have health informatics and bioinformatics. So it's really good to know that you can still put, like as you said, you can uh, step into the door even without having that background necessarily. Now colleges are also opening up. Like UCI has the health informatics specialization. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of colleges which are actually offering the major itself for it. So I think it's definitely something which people should, uh, especially our listeners, if you're interested in healthcare analytics, definitely should check those out. Absolutely. And I think one of the things that Mira said is something I would also strongly support, which is, you know, if you as you're training, try to find projects that you can do with PIs in, in a related field that can really introduce you to a different facet. The field is enormous. The applications are endless. So it's only over time as you do more and more work, will you get more experience and get better in your craft? Exactly. Um, so I think kind of to our next question. So not only are you the director of bioinformatics and assistant professor, but you're also kind of, as you said, you're hosting the live workout classes. You're also doing the podcast. So, and you're also not, you're also doing improv theater and a painter. You're so multi-talented. So how do you kind of manage your time, interest and passion projects as well as your career at the same time? Okay, for the record, I don't do improv anymore. <laughs> but <laughs> I can't do that many things. But I get your question. Thank you for that. So I did do I did improv for two years at Second City in Chicago, and I really loved it. I think I was a very shy kid uh, in uh, in school uh, for for twenty years of my life. I was extremely shy. I I didn't participate in things. It was very hard for me to put my hand up in class that kind of a person and uh, over time by participating in different kinds of uh, activities like theater uh, back in the day as well 
it is really opened up a different aspect of my personality where i can sit like i know this is over zoom but still we can i can sit across from you and have a confident conversation and that took me a play it took me a ways to get here uh, which was not um not easy for me and improv was one more thing in that direction that really helped me get improv helps you get comfortable with being uncomfortable which i yeah. which is a really tough thing uh, especially for people who are shy so i i strongly encourage it but uh, in terms of multitasking uh i like doing a lot of things at the same time i i think my brain just works like that i i get bored otherwise <laughs> uh, but at the moment yes i have the podcast i do the workouts on the weekends and then of course i have a pretty demanding uh, pretty demanding job i think the one thing that gets me going is making a lot of lists i have paper all around me uh, which you cannot see uh, on purpose uh, <laughs> with a lot of lists always i have a lot of google sheets i have a lot of spreadsheets always planning weeks in advance in terms of deadlines uh, that's the only way i'm able to actually do the things that i'm able to do mm-hmm. that said you know sometimes one thing will always take precedence over the other like for example you have a paper submission deadline you know then everything that's all consuming mm-hmm. so it's not always that everything goes smoothly things always yeah. it's like mm-hmm. a ba- it's it, uh, it's like a scale uh, balances mm-hmm. in one direction versus the other sometimes but uh it really takes a lot of time management which um i'm still learning i'm still trying to get there uh do you have like specific advice on how you are trying to manage your time because i think for me and anke both we're in school and things get crazy and yeah. I, i know he makes a lot of lists so it's you have any other <laughs> like, i think that was like that was like i think a lot of like people in our program as well for let's say we just have to going for an outing or something and we just used to be okay like let's make an excel spreadsheet <laughs> on that so that's pretty hit that hit home pretty well yeah see you get me um no i'm a plan at the same time i think um a few practices like uh you know reviewing your the your uh what you want to do for each day at the beginning of your day in the morning you know when i'm sitting with my coffee i'm thinking about these are the things i want to achieve today or even the same thing like on sunday i plan for the week you know what what are the major goals that i want to achieve this week work can be very unpredictable sometimes things just come up which you yeah. cannot predict always uh, but in that within that paradigm how much you can achieve so just kind of planning and kind of just taking some time as well is very important i strongly recommend always trying to find a work life balance for me doing these extra things is my life is is part of that work life uh, so it gives me joy it it relaxes me i know it's like working more relaxes me that's mm-hmm. kind of weird but it does so so i think it's important to find th- those things that make you happy and just do them but that way you're more productive in your work life work as well i think a huge element of your videos which kind of attracted me to keep continuing them was the the positive nature of you, the way you keep motivating your students while the video is going on so i think at times it's for all or a lot of us keeping motivated is something which is extremely difficult how and you're doing a, like a bunch of things at the same time so how do you keep yourself motivated to keep going oh ankit i think you would ask like a million dollar question right there um it's a great question and you know specifically there have been hard days it's for everyone i have hard days as well just like everyone else especially with the lockdown you know it hasn't been easy always to stay yeah. up upbeat and happy and uh, mm. um, as you say motivated right 
for from the point of view of the videos it's just something that brings me so much joy when i do it even yeah. you know planning it takes a while recording takes a while editing takes a while as well but i really love editing it's my nirvana like my zen mode actually that i go in when i'm editing like with my headphones on i'm sitting quietly i'm just editing so um the motivation part comes from just the joy that it brings me from doing the thing uh but that said sometimes i don't feel motivated and i let myself have those days you know when you're having a down day it's okay to accept that and just move on to the next day and take it one day at a time it's it's not a good thing to be too hard on yourself either i think that's a really good advice and i think both meera and i should also follow that as well <laughs> I, i sound i sound like a grandma imparting like all these life lessons right now <laughs> they're no, good lessons it's, it's really good i think life advice which we all kind of need to kind of use in our life at this point and it's all comes from experience so i think that's it's really good advice thank you <laughs> Uh, kind of going back to your career i think meera would have some questions for that as well well so i actually wanted to follow up with what we were just talking about um so i know you mentioned your job is very demanding and you are doing a lot of things and i think for a lot of us when we're doing so much we also experience burnout so i was wondering if that's something that you could touch on and maybe you know talk about your experience with that Yes for sure uh I experienced burnout too uh especially like you said you know you're working of 5 days a week and then weekends as well there are some there's something or the other plan I uh, do regular check-ins with myself I do take in some time just to feel like just kind of check in with myself seeing how I feel if I'm feeling burnout I try to plan like a day off completely where I'm not doing anything mm-hmm. work or even hobby related uh maybe go for a hike if chicago weather permits mm-hmm. it uh winters are harder <laughs> than any yeah. other winter winter relaxing is kind of sitting on the couch and watching uh watching netflix mm-hmm. or something but uh when possible just taking a break it's really important so i i think the the lesson for burn at least personally for me is just checking in with myself if i if things start feeling like a burden it means that i'm doing something wrong mm-hmm. so I've learned that really over time uh the hard way I think. So now now I know when I'm getting close to that I I'll, I'll step back. Yeah, I think that's really good. I I know personally too if if things are just crazy I'm just like I need to just sit down and just you know just think about anything else versus what's stressing me out and then get back to that later obviously. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you know it's okay for us to it's okay to just say, you know, I'm not going to be able to finish this. It's all right. I'll just I'll do it a little. I'll do it on my time. I'll I'll try to figure it out. I think that's I think another question which I had from what we just spoke about and earlier as well is that so healthcare like he's talking about healthcare informatics and everything. Um a lot of people are as you said like you're trying to do projects and stuff. Do you have a starting point from where they would possibly like start off in terms of like what they should certain skills they should definitely try to pursue and learn? to get into the field specifically for healthcare and you mean like for analytics etc yeah, in, in healthcare yeah. you know it um like i said because the field is so varied it might depend on what you're specifically looking for mm-hmm. the if you're looking for data science and analytics there is a uh, Uh, let me tell you about two different aspects of it right there is bioinformatics and there's informatics right. so bioinformatics can work a lot with uh, data which is uh, 
you know, DNA that gets sequenced from a patient and you get the data and you try to process it and you try to figure out what mutations or variants does this patient have that might be causing the disease. That's a very big aspect of bioinformatics is something that I work on. Then there is another aspect of informatics, which is uh, clinical informatics or pathology informatics, which has to deal a lot with patient data. That is, uh, for example, our data scientists and analytics teams at our hospitals work on this, where they are able to mine information or trends from patient records. So, you know, when you go into the doctor's office, the, the doctor's taking mm-hmm. all these notes on the computer, that's going into your electronic health record. And there is a there is a lot of scope there for uh, that data is not always in the most accessible format. Mm-hmm. So it's a very big question in informatics. How do you mine very data like that? Yeah. Convert it into some kind of format or database uh, formats which are structured mm-hmm. and things like that. So that's a very good aspect of informatics. So depending on which part of informatics you want to go into, either of these, you might want to approach uh, labs that are doing those kind of work uh, who might want to take you in for the summer. Uh, it's not always easy to get funded positions for these. So if you're interested in academia, you could always reach out to a lab and say, hey, I want to do a, a project with you on the side. I'll do two hours a week or something on those lines. So you get the experience, but mm-hmm. at the same time, you might not be, don't have to put in as much effort as you want. So those kind of things. If you want to do an informatics project, you might want to reach out to lab informatics system teams or um, data analytics teams. That's in academia. There's a whole, the same fields have a slightly different edge to them in industry. Mm-hmm. So uh, their deadlines, their pace is different. Their motivations might be different. Might be harder to get an internship in an industrial position. So. Hey. These are the different things you can do. Academia is a good place to kind of get your feet wet with these mm-hmm. topics. You actually, uh, I, when I was checking out your website, you actually did a research based on genomic, like data mining and everything, right? Uh, I have been, that's kind of what my field is. So what I've been doing for the, uh, for the last, oh, I, I lost track of time. Okay, I've been in the US. I've I I started my my grad school 15 years ago, so it's it's been a long time. So pretty much from the beginning, uh, when I started, this whole aspect of uh, high throughput data and omics was very new. You know, human genome got sequenced in 2003, 2004, it got published, right? After that, the technologies were evolving to sequence the DNA. It was only in 2009 and 10 that the first sequencers were coming into the market before it actually became uh, financially feasible to use it in research. It was about, yeah, 2009 and 10 was around that time. That's when I got into it, right? right off the back. So it's been a long time that I've been working on different aspects of using genomics data and mining it for things like what mutations do the uh, do the samples have? What kind of genes are um, expressed in, mm-hmm. in a particular sample? Or uh, things like, um, uh, well, you know, if you're talking about technologies, I'll go slightly technical for a second. Yeah, yeah. Things, uh, things like what kind of microRNAs are expressed in, in a particular organism and things like that. So there are different aspects of it. I've always focused on really leveraging or harnessing the power of different technologies which do this high throughput sequencing it's called next generation sequencing that's been my focus for the for the last almost 12 years now 
how have you kind of used that research to get your position at the moment right now like how have you how has that experience come in handy and like how have you leveraged i said you leveraged your background to kind of get mm-hmm. the job that you have right now so can you talk a little bit more about that oh that's a great question so you know ev- i feel like not n- no work that you ever do ever goes to waste i think uh, i there were courses that i took that i had to take as part of my phd which sometimes felt why am i doing this you know i'm not that interested in this aspect of things and then you start doing your job and you come across this piece of a project where you're like i remember this from my class and this is how it all fits together uh so yeah nothing goes to waste uh, for my particular position i started with the basic sciences like i said you know i i very early on uh, i was lucky that that's the direction that my phd project went in which was sequencing mm-hmm. so when i got out of grad school there were very few people at that time who had had experience with sequencing this was back in 2012 so uh, right that gave me a, a you know leg up in the job market to get a position mm-hmm. uh, it was also right right from there you know i gained a little bit more experience so then when i went to do the next job now i am not only a person who knows how to work with sequencing data i've also had many years of experience getting into it by the time i got into the healthcare area when i got into healthcare though i must say my my boss at that time took took a leap of faith on me because he knew that i had a very strong technical background and because i didn't know much about cancer biology it was more like here's a textbook read this learn about the basics of cancer biology but you have enough technical expertise to apply it in this mm-hmm. field so right. it's not like i knew everything when i started off from there when i moved to my current position i moved into pediatrics which is which is for uh, ch- uh, genetic testing for children mm-hmm. i had only worked in the adult area which is very different from pediatrics actually the genetic testing in pediatrics is different from adult cancer so i had so much background technically as well as in clinical testing even though i didn't know about pediatrics it was easy to adapt so mm-hmm. this is how like every piece has kind of helped for the next piece you know i don't know if i confused No, I think that is a pretty good explanation. Um, I think what we else want to ask is like, how is the pen, like the pandemic has a huge effect on the healthcare field and everything. So yeah. how is how is it kind of changed your work life and just everything in general for you? We've been lucky for sure. As computational people, we uh, we were able to have appropriate infrastructure at our hospital that we were able to go remote almost immediately after the lockdown so me and my team have pretty much been remote we've gone into uh, work a couple of times uh, not a couple of times a few times since uh, since the lockdown started over the last year so we've pretty much been remote the whole time at that point technologies like slack for messaging or zoom for calls have been so helpful we've increased our uh, frequency of seeing each other uh, in weekly meetings earlier we would have it once a week now we see each other twice a week at least and it's really important for everyone to turn on their cameras so you're seeing each other it is a completely different thing than if you're only on the phone so those kind of things but in terms of work itself productivity hasn't changed uh it it's still good but you know we all live at our work now in mm-hmm. a way right yeah. your your desk is like pretty it's in your home so yeah. it's not like uh, you you can't switch off the same way that you can if you're going into work so right. i think that's the case with everyone uh, who's working remotely right now 
Agreed, yeah, yeah, I definitely like I'm always at my desk and it doesn't help that it's in my house. So yeah. <laughs> like before I would be working at the library, I'd come home and then I would relax a little, but now the home is my library. So I know the initial few months were tough. Like you were talking about burnout earlier, right? That was hard on everyone yeah. in terms of feeling that pressure of just constantly being around work. Yeah. Um, actually, I was interested in talking a little bit more about how we were kind of mentioned how modern healthcare is evolving and really advancing and like how much there is to offer with when you pair that with data science and computer science. So can you kind of comment on what you think kind of the future of healthcare is? And especially since you're in that field and working in bioinformatics, like how do these additional things like data science kind of help bring that or progress that for the future? Uh, that's a great question. So. I think that the direction in which the field is moving is kind of integrating different types of data together. Mm -hmm. uh, for the longest time now, we've been work uh, not the longest time, but in recent years, we just have generating tons and tons of generating more data than we can process, mm -hmm. right, in every field. And we've been focused on one field, one type of data, processing it. The future is m combining data from different sources together. Specifically, mm -hmm. if you talk about healthcare and genomics, it's combining genomics data with clinical data from the electronic health record. This mm -hmm. is the main place where I think data science is kind of meeting omics in a way. That's really the direction where, you know, people are looking at different methods, which are machine learning based, adding mm -hmm. AI, deep learning mm -hmm. to, to data mining and really, uh, yeah, I, I guess like applying machine learning and AI to this integrated data sources is pretty much right now the hottest thing that people are trying to do. The biggest challenge in this is lack of data standardization and really uh, data integration across multiple platforms is another big problem that people face. Uh, we face it in our one hospital. So imagine the most power you can have is when you combine data from different hospitals yeah. and different sources and right. different uh, that's the biggest challenge but that said there are so many great initiatives and consortia that have been put together where different hospitals and different institutions and pharma companies even are all coming together to try to bring data from different places in one place so i think that's the future of healthcare just big data like we've never seen mm -hmm. before yeah, I think it's really interesting because you were mentioning kind of the data combining and management and cleaning process, which is a whole chunk of data science is just yeah. that. Um, yeah. yeah, so I've, I was working on a project having to do with the COVID predictions, how many uh, hospitalizations there can be. And mm -hmm. just the initial phase was just getting the data and yeah. from like from the different states, from the different counties, and it's all different. So it's definitely frustrating. And kind of automating that and figuring out how to make it so that it's standardized across everywhere will be such an amazing accomplishment for the future in data science i feel absolutely and i think there's published numbers about this i but i don't i don't have a source for you but i've read that 80 percent of the time on any kind of data driven project goes in data cleanup yeah, yeah. and i think that's our experience as well so so i go by that number yeah so uh, we can start, kind of start wrapping up. So I think my first, uh, the few, last few questions would be, uh, do you have any, you already gave a lot of advice in terms of like leveraging our background and everything, but do you have any advice for like the actual job application and job search process when we kind of 
So all of us the students, especially in the MSBA program and a lot of us are gonna graduate soon. So do you have any advice for kind of just keeping ourselves going and what advice you might have for the interviews and everything? Ooh, uh, I, I think the biggest, uh, the biggest piece of advice I like to see from people that I interview as well is to kind of see authenticity, like be yourself uh, in an interview. Uh, sometimes answers can be very uh, rehearsed. So yeah. showing your personality is important. Uh, this is from a very personal level. In terms of technical, I mean, you most, most of you, if you're going through a good program, you're going to be technically very sound. So you're kind of in a level field there. And how do you stand up over your competition? This is where projects that you do, or it's the, the extra mile that you go in your, while you're doing your course really helps. You know, showing initiative, showing that you've gone above and beyond what was expected of you in a program that makes your uh, makes your resume stand out as well. And of course, I mean, job hunts are uh, tough nowadays, especially with, you know, how bad the economy has been. You are now not only going to be competing with people in your program, but you're also going to be competing with other people who have, um, you know, who are back into the job market. But yeah, I think the other th the other question would be like, where can our listeners find you? And like, if they have any more, they want to get more advice or just like kind of chat with you if they want to. Oh, uh, I uh, I think if you want to talk about science, you can find me on Twitter. Uh, I, uh, I have a fairly active scientific profile on Twitter. And if you want to talk about dance and workouts, you can find me on Instagram. <laughs> Uh, those two don't mix as much as uh, you would think actually very different people I talk to both places but it's uh, yeah I, I'll give you the links if you would like and uh, yeah I would love to talk to anyone if you have uh, if you want to talk about science if you want to talk about careers just reach out to me I also have uh, I also respond on LinkedIn so I can give you my LinkedIn profile as well yeah we'll link all of those in our description and then yeah yeah, so thank you so much for being on with us today. I think it was a very amazing conversation. I personally had a lot of help through this conversation, so I'm sure our listeners will appreciate it as well. Well, thank you so much for having me. It was really great to talk to both of you, and I wish you all the best. You know, it's amazing that you're doing a podcast along with doing a graduate pro uh, program. That's that's crazy. So kudos to you, and good luck. I should ask you about how you manage your time, actually. <laughs> But yeah, thank you so much. I think, uh, thank you so much for taking our time. Uh, I think last few notes is check out uh, Sabah's podcast, which we'll put the link as well. And as well as a YouTube channel, if you guys want to keep active, uh, the, there are a lot of workouts. They're usually themed. Like there was one recently of all new songs of 2021. There's one for Holi. So definitely check those out as well. Thank you so much, Ankit. Thank you. Yeah. Right. Thank you, thank everyone, you. for listening. Thank you. Bye. Bye.